Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wavelet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey! They're off and it is on! And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo! Boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened. That just happened. Touch that dial. You're not going to go want to go anywhere. It's our 2017 pre-jug party. A very busy show on this pre-jug edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. I am Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Mike Carter is standing by with a very special interview. We'll get to him in just a moment. Mike Carter is live at the Little Brown Jug today, as well as Allison Conti and Taylor Johnston. They're both going to, all three of them actually, are going to be uh, giving us some interviews here in just a few minutes. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Also on this program, we have an exclusive interview with the longtime voice of the Little Brown Jug, Roger Houston. Roger will be calling his 50th Little Brown Jug today. And we had a chance to sit down with Roger a couple of days ago and talk to him about this very special moment. Plus, we're going to uh, have our USTA Town Hall Series as it continues. Russell Williams will be joining us, the president of the USTA. We're going to talk about uh, some Little Brown Jug stuff and more. And Darren Gagne is going to join the program. It's the uh, He's going to highlight the final week of uh, the running aces ser- uh, the running aces season as it just happened last weekend and uh, Darren Gagne will kind of put a wrap on things for running aces 2017 but it is jug day and we're going to start this thing off right away we're going to get to Mike Carter who's got a very special guest Mike is standing by live in Delaware Ohio with the driver of Boogie Shuffle number six horse in the little brown jug first heat Scott Zeron Mike take it away Talk about a busy scene in front of barn number 40, the Jug Barn. We're going to talk to driver Scott Zeron. And, Scott, first, before we get into Boogie Shuffle, obvious blue chip raced extremely well in the Jug yesterday. Uh, talk about your steer in the qualifier and then, uh, of course, the final. Yeah, in the elimination, it was a pretty uh, easy decision. They, they left out of there, then one made a break. So it was, I just sat the three hole and dictated when I came first up. And when I did, she responded to come 27-3 and three on the end of the limb. I was happy with the way she went across the wire. Obviously, Blazing Bridges was pretty good, so... I was really excited to draw the three hole as opposed to the four and, and finishing second. So uh, heading into the final, it was just a matter of hold, holding my three hole. I just wanted to sit behind those two good fillies and, and hope that it wasn't going to be a slow, slow pace and then a sprint away. And uh, it wasn't, you know, we, we were pacing the whole mile and right at the end when they were starting to tire a little mine, they came back to me just a little bit. And I, you know, I had a very good solid third. 
Now, Scott, today you drive Boogie Shuffle and the Little Brown Jug. Uh, coming off two uh, impressive victories, just set a track record at Harris, Philadelphia, won the $252,000 Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final. Obviously, Fear the Dragon was scratched from that race. But I'll tell you what, Boogie Shuffle looked extremely good, raced uh, really well in 148-2, and two, defeating Filibuster Hanover in Huntsville. What kind of chance do you give him coming into today? No, I think he's got a great chance. Uh, obviously, having the six holes is not the greatest thing in the world uh, with, with eight horses and then where you finish really dictates the whole final anyway. As much as it is nice to make the final no matter what, we really have to finish well in the elimination to get uh, a decent post position. But, you know, in respect to his race at Philly, probably surprised a lot of other people, but it was the horse we always thought he was, and he ended up having a great trip that day. And when we shook loose, he gave me everything he had to go 48-2. and two. So he's a happy, healthy horse coming into this, and let's hope he stays that way. Last question, uh, the two heats, do you think it bothers Boogie Shuffle at all, or does it kind of play to his favor a little bit? I think it plays to his favor. He really doesn't know his capabilities. He he, he kind of is a little inexperienced almost when he goes out there, and, and he'll give everything he has, and then you, you won't even be able to pull him up after the wire. So he's uh, he always feels fresh, and I think uh, two heats won't bother him one bit. All right, Scott. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Good luck on Boogie Shuffle, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you back in the winter circle doing another interview later on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that was Scott Deeron, the driver of a Boogie Shuffle. And I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, Boogie Shuffle looks to have one heck of a chance in this afternoon's Little Brown Jug. We're going to throw it to the second member of our broadcast team. Taylor Johnston is sitting with Corey Callahan, who will drive in the – excuse me, he will drive from the rail on probably one of the hardest horses to say, Funkin' Waffles. Taylor? Hi, guys. I'm here with Corey Callahan, um, the driver of Funkin' Waffles. So, Corey, you do have the rail uh, going into the jug. How do you feel about the uh, rail with this horse? Well, obviously, you're very excited, uh, you know, when when you draw the rail at the jug. I mean, that's the spot that everybody wants to be. So, um, we're starting there this time, and, you know, we're going to have to race hard to make sure, uh, you know, that we can be in the same spot in the final. Now, you guys um, qualified the horse last week. Uh, how did the horse race as a qualifier? Oh, he was super. You know, he was running right through the bid, actually, uh Carthy won the jug at yesterday. His dad's in town, and he was, he was, you know, sitting up there, and he came by later, and he goes, man, he goes, that horse trialed, you know, really well. So, um, you know, it was a good tightener for him, and we're expecting a good run from him today. And then I do see that he plays third in the messenger against Down by the Seaside. How do you feel going into this race with Down by the Seaside and Fear the Dragon? Where do you see your horse finishing? Um, you know, I mean, I, I just got beat by, uh, Fear the Dragon in the hemp final and, you know, third there, probably a half a length to, uh, Seaside and the messenger. And, you know, I mean, this, this Colt's due for his day. He's, uh, you know, he's very, very fast horse. And, you know, I think if I can be on the lead or, or anywhere near it, I think he's going to be tough to deal with. Now, do you have a certain strategy that you're going to do, or you're going to switch things up? Are you going to keep it pretty simple and what you've been doing in the past? Well, I think everybody kind of has the same strategy when they come down here. Um, you know, I mean, the the front is typically the place to be, um, you know, but we definitely want to go out of there as much as we can and try to send a message going into the first term. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing an interview with us, and good luck today. Thank you very much. All right. All right, that was Taylor Johnston, and uh, she has Corey Callahan and Funkin' Waffles drawing post number one in the Little Brown Jug, which is race number 16. Of course, the first heat of Field of Ain't Funkin' Waffles drawing the pylons. Actually, Funkin' Waffles is Rich Matei's selection to take uh, the 72nd Little Brown Jug. More from live on site. Let's turn it over to Allison Conti. And Allison has Dave Miller, the Hall of Famer, who, of course, will be driving Fear the Dragon. Allison, take it away. 
Hey, guys. I am here. Uh, David Miller and I just actually walked through the jug barn. He wanted to take a look at Fear the Dragon. Uh, David, you've got, you know, this horse is your pick, and you won the little brown jug last year. How are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling good. You know, uh, we got a good spot. You know, it's a jug day, and the sun's out. All good. Yesterday in the speaker series with uh, Brian, there was some discussion about Fear the Dragon being off so much, and uh, also today in the handicapping session. Does that bother you at all? No, no. Uh, I, You know what? I, I went and qualified him like a week ago. I wasn't really impressed with him. And uh, since then, uh, Brian has, you know, talked to me, and uh, I'm feeling better about him. You know, uh, he had a bit of a rough week there. He had a rough week with uh, uh, some sickness, you know, and uh, I thought the timing was bad, but uh, he said that he's uh, all cleared up and healthy, ready to go. With the format this year, you know, it's one elimination, and you're racing for post position. Um, how does that affect what's your plan going into into the race? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm still going to race him. You know, uh, you know, I'm not going to take any big shots with him right off the you know first heat there. But uh, I'm going to race him. You know, and if he's himself, uh, he'll get the job done. All right. Well, good luck today. Thanks. Thanks, David. All right, thank you very much. That was Allison Conti live with Dave Miller. Of course, Dave Miller will be driving number three, Fear the Dragon, who is not instilled as the morning line favorite. The morning line favorite is number five, down by the seaside. Of course, down by the seaside is red hot, four straight wins. Fear the Dragon coming in 15 of 23 with over $1.2 million at earnings. Down by the seaside, $1.5 million. And a lot of people kind of think this is going to be a two-horse race, but I don't know. Rich Matane disagrees. He likes number one, Funkin' Waffles, and I disagree. I think if number six, Boogie Shuffle, brings uh, to the dance floor what he brought two starts back at Harris, Philadelphia, he is going to be a very tough customer. But out of the four, he draws the worst post position. I'll tell you what, let's take a very quick timeout. When we come back, we'll check in once again with Mike Carter. Plus, we have the exclusive interview with Roger Houston. And also, it's our USTA Town Hall with Russell Williams. That's all on deck on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Better. America, it's the pre-jug party. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Back on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America after that very quick commercial break. And there's a reason that commercial break was very quick because Mike Carter is going to be joining the broadcast team for the Little Brown Jug on the Little Brown Jug signal coming up at 10.50. Mike, how did you luck into that, my friend? <laughs> I talked to uh, Dave Brower, and he told me to uh, maybe reach out to Heather Wilder and see if, uh, you know, they had a spot open, and they did. So I'll be uh, joining the, uh, I'll be joining the uh, Jug broadcast Mike, uh, I believe we're going to have one more interview to do. Uh, Taylor Johnston is actually working her way to talk to one of the owners of Funkin' Waffles. And, uh, you know, 
it, it's interesting. Uh, John Bootenshane's got Funk and Waffles out here, letting the crowd just kind of come up to him, pet him, take pictures with him, and everything. And uh, Taylor Johnston is standing by right now with the odor of Funk and Waffles. Taylor. All right, I'm standing here with Michelle Crawford. She's actually one of the owners of Funk and Waffles. Um, can you tell me a little bit about this horse? Why you fell in love with him? Um, well, he's—I don't know. I think his name depicts everything. You know, Funkin' Waffles. Everybody's kind of a fan favorite just because of his name. But he was kind of a little horse at the end of the Harrisburg Sale that got overlooked, I think, by some of the you know trainers. And I just loved his video, and I had to have him. And he hasn't disappointed. He definitely has one of the coolest names, I think, in the sport. The reasoning behind. The name. It's actually that was the year I was naming a lot of my horses after restaurants, and it's from our hometown, Syracuse, New York. Um, there is a late night disco breakfast bar called Funkin' Waffles, so it's legitimately a place to go in downtown Syracuse. Well, it definitely sounds like a cool place to go, and I mean, the course is pretty awesome as well. Um, now, is there anything? Do you go with the horse everywhere that he travels, or do you? watch it mainly on TV? I know, pretty much we have attended most of his races. He's predominantly been staked in New York. We didn't stake him a lot this year. We were aiming for the jug um, as one of his nationals, and, you know, we just are beyond excited to be here with him in a national against this competition. Perfect. Well, we're excited to have you here, Michelle, and I hope uh, the best of luck to you guys. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, thank you very much, Taylor Johnson with Michelle Crawford, part owner of One Funkin' Waffles, who once again draws the pylons today. We'll bring back uh, Mike Carter. Mike is uh, making his way to the paddock for his big interview with uh, Wendy Ross, Dave Brower, and uh, Dave Bianconi, a guy that you're familiar with, and the whole gang there at the Little Brown Junk. But, Mike, before you do so, let's, uh, let's set the table a little bit. I understand it's a bit warm out there here today. Yes, it's uh, very warm. Uh, one second, Mike. <laughs> so, sorry, Mike, about, sorry about go that. Go ahead, I Mike. To communicate. <laughs> You're okay. Um, we're headed to the paddock. Yes, it's a very warm, actually. Uh, I've got a uh, just a regular a polo on, and it's pretty warm uh, kind of through that as well, Mike. Uh, you know, it's going to make for an interesting day. Fast times, you know, that the warm weather tends to make for a little bit faster times. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a uh, track record here at the Little Brown Jug. Yeah, we certainly could. Uh, Mike, real quick, before we let you go, I know we've got the Roger Houston interview coming up, and we've got to get to that, plus you have an interview of your own coming up. But uh, you're picking the Little Brown Jug. My pick in the Little Brown Jug, I've been asked this probably about ten times. I like Fear the Dragon just a little bit, but coming off of uh, coming off that mile at Hoosier Park in the qualifier, uh, and nobody really being impressed with it, Mike, I'm a little bit concerned there. I think I'm going to go with Boogie Shuffle. I agree with you. Like I say, if I have Boogie Shuffle brought to the dance floor, what he did two starts back, I think he's got a big chance. Well, Mike, we're going to let you go. Uh, great job over there at the Little Brown Jug. I know you'll be keeping everybody up to date on post time with Mike and Mike uh, dot com, as well as our Twitter and Facebook pages. And have fun out there, my friend. We'll catch you at about 10.50. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, All definitely. right, Mike, Mike Carter, uh, live from the Little Brown Jug, getting some interviews there. Once again, the uh, it's race 16 on your program, and that Little Brown Jug starts the uh, a pick four with a guaranteed $50,000 pool. So make sure you pay attention to that. Certainly some opportunity to make some money. And speaking of money, uh, Garnett Barnsdale and Rich Matane, two of North America's handy, uh, two of the best handicappers in all of North America, 
have chimed in with their thoughts on the Little Brown Jug card, and you can only catch it at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. So log on to the website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Go to Handicapper's Corner, and you can check out Rich Matei and Garnet Barnsdale's picks and thoughts throughout the Little Brown Jug Day card. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, it's an exclusive one-on-one with the longtime voice of the Little Brown Jug, Roger Houston. It will be his 50th Little Brown Jug call coming up today. You can hear that interview next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by America. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then Harness Racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now, we are joined by the voice of artist racing, the voice of the Little Brown Jug and the Meadows, Roger Houston. Roger, we certainly appreciate you joining us this morning. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Mike, and especially on Jug Week. It's a, as far as I'm concerned, it's the biggest week in all of harness racing. It's right here in Delaware, Ohio, and the tradition continues. Absolutely. Now, Roger, this is your 50th Little Brown Jug, is that right? That is correct. The first year when they hired me, uh, I did the first three days and most of the races on Jug Day, but I didn't actually call the Jug. Stan Bergstein called it because uh, Charlie Hinkle, who had been the announcer uh, for the Jug, uh, told him on Adios Day that uh, he was going to California and wouldn't be available and Bernstein said that uh, he would be available on Thursday only, but he couldn't be here the other day. So Hank Thompson called me that night, about 10.30 at night, and said, could you announce the races at Delaware? And it took me all about one second to say yes. Roger, let's uh, let Roger. Let's reflect on some of the little brown jugs that you've called, some of the uh, more memorable ones that stick out in your mind. 
Well, I, I go to one particular horse, and that's Big Bad John. Uh, and, uh, and the reason is uh, I announced nine races that he raced. Uh, the Meadows and here at the Delaware, and he won all nine. So uh, to go nine for nine for a horse that uh, wins the jug over a two-year period, uh, I was thrilled with his win. But, you know, to me, almost every race has something that's very special to it. And I think Hoofbeats did an article uh, several years ago, and I told some of the behind-the-scenes things that took place that maybe the public didn't know about. And so I like races for various reasons, but the one race I go back to more times than not is uh, the Nansamon uh, went in the little brown jug with her vehicle young and uh, the crowd behind him and everything like that with Albatross. And, uh, that was uh, a, a big race, a big milestone. And, uh, it was early in my years here, but uh, that one stands out. But uh, there are so many others. Uh, fake left, uh, defeating uh, Western Hanover in uh, the final heat, and uh, that one stands out. And uh, Theoretically, to me, every little brown jug has a story, and uh, they all stand out, and it's, it's hard to separate. It's just a big moment. For me and for the uh, forty to fifty thousand people that show up here on Jug Day, Roger, what do you think it is about the Little Brown Jug? What's the appeal that make people just go absolutely crazy for it? You know, tradition. I have to go with that. They started out in 1946. 1946 was the first one right here at Delaware, Ohio. Ensign Hanover won it with Curly Smart. 27,000 people were here in 1946 to watch that race that day. And it continued to grow uh, purse-wise and also uh, in fans. I think the record attendance is somewhere around 54,000, 55,000 that we've had here. And people that have never been here have no idea there's only seating for 18,000 people. So that means there's 37,000 people when on that day that they set the attendance that were standing around the racetrack. And uh, people bring lawn chairs right today. Now, here it is Wednesday morning. And say, there are probably lawn chairs numbering about 1,000 to 1,500. Uh, some of them are chained to the fence. Some of them are in the second row, the third row, and it's a capital offense if you move somebody's uh, lawn chair. <laughs> they'll be they'll be filled uh, uh, come what Wednesday and, and Thursday. Even those lawn chairs are they're filled uh, on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and we just have uh, normal racing. Uh, those people are diehard fans, and uh, I think the one thing. And it halfway upsets me to a degree. Uh, horsemen uh, have a tendency maybe to complain about the conditions or something like that or uh, have to go two heats or something. They better not forget the fan because without the fans, what have you got? You've got horses going around the track, and who cares? So I think we need to pay more attention to the fans and the people that love the sport of harness racing. And oftentimes, uh, a lot of people forget them, and uh, they shouldn't be forgotten. 
They are certainly the ones that pay the freight. Roger, this uh, little brown jug is going to be a lot more emotional probably uh, than the other uh, 49 that you've called in the sense that uh, we no longer have Sam McKee with us. Of course, you took Sam under your wing at a very young age, and uh, Sam and you remained uh, very, very close. Talk about some of the emotions that are going to be going through your head with uh, Sam no longer with us, even though I'm sure he's probably with us. Well, today, uh, when we go on the air at uh, 12.30 for our simulcast show, uh, uh, Sam won't be there, and he's been there for a number of years, so that's going to be hard. Uh, when we do the seminar on uh, Jug Morning at the USTA tent here at Delaware, uh, Sam won't be there sitting beside me, and that's going to be hard. Uh, tonight, uh, they present his family uh, the Joe Neville Memorial Award, uh, for Sam McKee, and uh, uh, that's going to be hard as well. Uh, Sam and I have, even though we didn't really meet until he was 10, we go back to when he was six, and it was his first little brown jug, and I was calling, and, and that's when he got in the car with his mom and dad after the race was over. He said, I'm going to be an announcer at the age of six. And then finally, uh, I don't know what the, I can't remember what the circumstances were, but we finally met when he was 10. And of course, he hitchhiked from uh, Linden, Michigan to my house when he was about 15 years old and uh, started announcing at uh, qualifiers at the Meadows for a week. And he did the junior driver championship race uh, uh, one night of that week. He was staying with me and I got him his first job, and uh, the rest, uh, I mean, I, I didn't stand in his way, and that's uh, the one thing I've always said, whether you're a driver or a trainer, when that youngster comes to you and says, I want to be a driver, don't discourage him. Uh, encourage. Don't discourage, but encourage, because you never know who you're talking to. It could be the next John Campbell. And uh, so that's just the way I've always felt about it. And uh, I have a, a young girl that's uh, nine years old in uh, Woodstock, Virginia, that called the races last year. I helped her with it. She did it again this year at the, the county fair. I've got a seven-year-old boy that uh, his uh, family uh, all have horses. And uh, I had him call a couple races at the Crawford County Fair in Meadville. And the important thing, as I say, you just don't get in their way. Uh, if they want to do it, you want to help them as much as you can. Yeah, and I think that's one of the you know the great things uh, about you, Roger, is that you know not only are you going to go down in history as uh, the greatest announcer, perhaps of all time, but also all all the things that you give back to the business, I think, kind of go, goes into it. But, Roger, let's talk a little bit about uh, Jug 2017. You've got eight entrants. Uh, for those people that are kind of confused on how it's going to work heat-wise with just the eight entrants, can you can you break it down for us a little bit? Well, the, uh, I'm a member of the Little Brown Jug Society, and uh, we did away with the option for the third heat, uh, I think it was two or three years ago. So there's never going to be more than two heats with one division of eight they'll go the first heat and that will determine the, the first heat by the way was uh muck of the draw just like a normal horse race the drew fills for post positions 
However, in that first seat of the jug this year, they will have the post position in the second heat where they finished in the first heat. And the winner of that second heat will be the winner of the Little Brown Jug, regardless of where he finished in the first heat. So you could have a horse that, I'm not, I don't want to put the kiss of death on everybody, but you could have a horse that makes a break in the first heat, going into the first turn and finishing sixth or seventh. He could come back and win the second heat, and he would be the Little Brown Chuck champion that year. So uh, that was uh, the main change. If we have divisions, the top four finishers return for a second heat, and whoever wins that second heat wins the Little Brown Jug as well. So those are the two main differences uh, from years past. Years past, you had to win two heats to win the Little Brown Jug, but they took that out of the uh, uh, conditions uh, a couple years back. Roger, one final question before we let you go. The uh, participants itself, obviously the two main horses, Fear the Dragon and uh, Down by the Seaside, are obviously going to be the two horses that garner a lot of the attention, uh, certainly in the wagering board, no doubt. But do you see anybody else, perhaps, that can uh, upset and uh, make their presence felt here in the Little Brown Jugs uh, 2017? As you well know, anything can happen in a horse race. Uh I think I think I'm right on this. Down by the seaside or fear the dragon have only lost once in a major race this year. Uh, the rest of the races they have won, or the, the other horse in the stable won, and the other one was second or something like that. So they have totally dominated the three-year-old ranks. Uh, make no doubt about it. Uh, Huntsville won the uh, uh, Keen Pace. He could have supplemented to the Little Brown Jug, but uh, they didn't want to do that. And the fact is, they didn't want to race two heats, so he's not here. And I think the domination of those two horses probably kept the field uh, smaller than uh, we would have in the past. Uh, I was hoping for a field of 11 or 12, and I think. The, the ones that didn't come, they felt they were racing for third money, and it wasn't worth it or something. But we got a strong field of eight as far as I'm concerned. Uh, when the Burke Stable picked up RJP uh, earlier this year, and he raced well in the Adios, and he then his next start, he raced even better. And then I think he developed some issues uh, this past uh, last week, he raced the Meadows, had the lead coming into the stretch, and two horses went by him, and he finished third. I think he will be a lot sharper in the jug uh, coming up Thursday. He's got post position seven, of course, and that, that's going to make it rough on him. Uh, Funkin' Waffles has got the rail, and uh, this horse is really coming on. But the one that the, a lot of people are talking about is Boogie Shuffle. Yeah. And uh, he's coming on right now. So I don't think it's going to be in any ways near uh, a walkover for Philibus, uh, for uh, Fear of the Dragon or down by the seaside. But uh, uh, I think if, if one of those other horses, uh, any of those other horses, get the perfect type of a trip, uh, they can win it. Uh, it. It all depends on the luck of racing. You know that. You've called and seen a lot of races, and a lot of strange things can happen in a horse race. 
Roger, it's the greatest time of year. It's uh, once again Little Brown Jug Week and Little Brown Jug Day, and uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, your 50th Little Brown Jug call, my friend. Yep. Well, thank you ever so much. And uh, believe me, uh, the 50th to me is just like the first one. It's the greatest. The Little Brown Jug is the greatest day in racing. And uh, I think this year, no exception, even though there's just a field of eight, uh, this is going to be a great horse race come Thursday. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast, faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you... There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, 
your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. They are off and racing at the Little Brown Jug. It's Brown Jug 17. Once again, use the uh, hashtag LBJ17 if you're uh, posting about it on Twitter. And, uh, of course, follow us on Post Time with MikeAndMike.com because uh, two of the nation's very best handicappers, Garnet Barnsdale and Richard Matei, have uh, chimed in with their thoughts on the entire Little Brown Jugs uh, 2017 card. Once again, you can find that on Post Time with MikeAndMike.com, and it's under the Handicappers Corner section of the website. Again, that's Post Time with MikeAndMike.com. We had a chance to sit down with the USDA president, Russell Williams. It's our continuing uh, USDA town hall series. Uh, And, of course, uh, the president, Russell Williams, attacks some of the vital issues that affect the sport of harness racing. We're going to hear from Russell in just a moment. Plus, don't forget, a little bit later on, we're going to be hearing from Darren Gagne as the uh, running aces meet. I don't know where time goes, but the running aces meet is over already. They had a fantastic meet, and uh, Darren Gagne is going to kind of put it to bed for us, uh, do his 2017 running aces season wrap. That is coming up a little bit later on in the program. But first, it is the continuing USTA Town Hall series with the president, Russell Williams. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. It's time for our Town Hall Series with USDA President Russell Williams. Russell, we know it's Jug Week. We know you're busy, but we certainly appreciate you taking time out to join us. And uh, let's get to it. Uh, You've been on the job now for about, uh, I don't know, seven and a half, eight months or so. Give us a little bit of an update on uh, what's going on in the sport of harness racing from your your, uh, perspective. Well, of course, the jug is going on this week, so we do tend to think in terms of the the annual migration. Um, there's plenty going on in Columbus at the USTA. Uh, on a serious note, we've got a, uh, an investigation going. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about this horse, Colleen Cut Kid, that uh, had raced for 11 years, won $315,000, and uh, turned up in a kill pen in Louisiana. And um, it's been all over uh, Facebook and social media, and a lot of people have expressed themselves about it and are very concerned. Uh, the USDA is also concerned, and we launched a, a formal investigation into it, and uh, we, we got a professional investigator that we work with um, who has put together a report that we're finalizing now. So we should have that out uh in the public view in about a week. Um, that'll give people at least some 
definite facts to look at, and uh, they can decide what to do from there. Of course, uh, racing commissions have the authority to license and unlicense people. We do not, uh, but I think we can perform a service for the sport by investigating this and, and reporting on the findings. Uh, I would urge listeners to, if they are um, focused on this issue, they can contact their USTA district directors and let them know how they feel about uh, situations like this in racing. They can contact their uh, people at the racing commissions in their state and uh, they can send money to the Standard Bear Retirement Foundation, which has taken on the care of this particular horse and would be glad to have any help they could get. All right, Russell, let's get to some fan questions. Uh, if you sent in a question, we're going to try our best to get to it. Obviously, we're relegated by time a little bit, so if your question doesn't get in this week, uh, certainly send us a question for the next town hall, but we'll get to many of them, as many of them as we possibly can. Our first fan question, Russell, uh, states that uh, it is my opinion that with outside organizations as well as our sport focusing more on animal safety and welfare, that it is time to bring an end to heat racing. Do you believe the idea of heat racing has run its course, Russell? Well, on the one hand, you've got uh, you've got two factors that kind of weigh against it. One is that we don't breed for it. Uh, I should say more correctly, we don't select for heat racing performers. Uh, we the, the big breeding farms are bringing in stallions and mares that have performed well in dash events. So uh, the other thing, which is probably more significant, is we don't train for it. You know, in the old days, and I even remember some of the old days, uh, the, the training technique was a lot of long, slow miles. You put this tremendous bottom in the horse, and um, they, they could race like that. We don't do that anymore, and uh, those two things have to be taken into account. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so... I think it's being looked at in specific trainers. For example, uh, there's some quite good trainers who have pulled their horses after the first heat because they didn't think that it was in the horse's best interest to go on. So, you know, trainers have uh, decisions they can make in this regard. And if you see that happening, uh, it, it should be discussed and looked into. Let's go to another fan question here, Russell. Uh, this fan question states that with only eight entries in the Little Brown Jug, with the card being short of horses all around, what can we do to make the Little Brown Jug and the card more attractive to horsemen? Well, it is an unusual year. You know, uh, to someone like me, the first thought is, gosh, I wish I had one in there. You know, you're basically racing for post position. But... Um, the number one factor in, in races is the purse. The bigger the purse, the more horses you're going to draw. And uh, the, the jug purse is good. I would, I would say that this year there's kind of a perfect storm of factors um, that have uh, encouraged horses to stay away. I think Huntsville wasn't kept eligible. You've got two monster horses in there. Um, you know, you're going to have to race against. So, you know, if, if this year's an anomaly, then maybe we don't have too much to worry about. The people that own the race and uh, manage the race know what they're doing, and uh, 
I have, we do talk to them, and uh, they are willing to look at making changes if they will help the race. They're they're excellent promoters, so I'm not too worried about it. Let's go to our next fan question, Russell. It states, what are some of the things the USTA uh, are doing to promote the jug, considering it and many other events are no longer televised on national TV? That's a good question because uh, the TV was one of our big roles in past years. Uh, over the past 10 years, the USTA has put in a total of hundreds of thousands of dollars into uh, acquiring TV uh, time for the jug. Our role has shifted a bit now, and uh, this year our entire communication staff uh, is, is basically going to be there. Uh, we're going to generate a lot of content for social media, um, dozens of stories, and, and a lot of good video content to go on YouTube and other places. So uh, the USTA's role has shifted into more of a marketing uh, support role than uh, merely just putting up money. Let's move along to another fan question, and uh, we'll get off the Little Brown Junk for just a second. Um, in the past month, Pennsylvania's Racing Commission made a ruling to ban the horse if the horse is testing positive. Now, do you believe this is the direction that harness racing should go or should be going to punish the wrongdoers? Uh, the answer is yes. You know, you have, um, with enforcement, you got like two ends of the spectrum. You've got uh, airline pilots. If an airline pilot blows a positive, he or she is down, no flying. The reason being uh, the interest of passengers who might be dead if things go wrong. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, a criminal case where somebody stands to lose a lot of money and possibly their liberty if they're convicted. So they need a lot of procedural protections. Uh, racing is, is in between those two extremes, closer to the airline thing, because you've got the interest of the betting public that has to be protected. And if you don't do that, you're going to lose your betting public and uh, you're going to lose your sport ultimately. Now, we see how hard it is to enforce racing rules. Uh, a, uh, a trainer gets suspended. The horse just keeps right on racing because the trainer's uh, spouse or another trainer uh, takes over. And uh, we have brought in out-of-competition testing in order to uh, address part of that is to address the problem of geared trainers. Um, and uh, suspending the horse is really the, the other cover of the book. It, there has to be a way to prevent um, the, uh, the activity where there was an infraction from just continuing. Otherwise, the commissions can't really do their job. So, uh, yeah, I think this has been coming for a long time, and, and uh, it should be effective. One more fan question, uh, Russell, um, and it states, what are your thoughts on the disqualification of the Hamiltonian winner, What the Hill, and what efforts are being made to achieve uniform racing rules in all of our racing jurisdictions? Well, that particular race, you, know, you can pull up the... Um, you know, you can pull up the video of the race, 
and you can see what happened. I mean, I think uh, there was clearly interference. There's uh, ongoing discussion about what led to that and all the ramifications of it. But um, there were other things, you know, in the same race. There there were uh, questions about the whipping. There was interference in the first turn. And all of these things get... Uh, sort of fall into the discretion of the judges. And that's, that's right. It should be in the discretion of the judges. But the underlying rules that the judges are using really need to be clear and uniform. And there's good news on that subject. Uh, I mentioned it a, a bit in my column in the current hoofbeats, but um, to hit it again, John Campbell, the new president of the Hamiltonian Society, has taken on the project of getting uniform racing rules in place throughout North America. And uh, he's got the total cooperation of the USTA in that. What we're going to do is, over the next year or two, um, we're, we're going to try to come up with the perfect set of uniform rules. There are um, a lot of people outside the USTA that are involved with this, contributing to this. Uh, sort of movers and shakers in the sport, officials, some of the racing commissions. So we've got good participation. And, you know, with Campbell uh, holding the lines, I think if anybody can get this done, he can. So I'm very optimistic about that. It's a it's a worthwhile project, and uh, I think we're going to get it done. All right. Once again, we appreciate all the fan questions, all the uh, racing fans uh, sending us questions. Once again, we apologize. If we didn't get to your question, we'll try to do so next time. Russell, one final uh, question. Let's look to the future. What are some of the initiatives that the USTA is working on in terms of, of marketing our sport? Well, one of the newest things we've got out there is, is the mobile app for um, all the website functions that you can get. Uh, through the USDA for harness racing. That just hit. It was well-received. And I think you're always going to have the USDA rolling out these um, incremental improvements at every turn. So there's there's a lot of, a lot of little uh, improvements that are going to add up to a big impact over time. Uh, but I just want to mention farther in the future, just sort of a more of a, a vision thing right now, but I think it'll become a reality. If you take a look at MLB.com, uh, or if you take a look at the hockey website, all the teams are on those websites. Like hockey, uh, it's, it's pretty easy because they have a league office. But you don't have that in harness racing. Every track uh, or, or set of related tracks, they're all sort of Isolated, it's all sort of balkanized, and um, if we could ever pull all of those racing jurisdictions together in one place, uh, there there'd be an incredible web presence for harness racing. People could start going to that. You know, everybody knows they can go to mlb.com, and um, there's like five layers to that website, and a lot of things you can do. Fantasy leagues, for example. You know, we have a little bit of that going on. There's some uh, very good stuff on Twitter. But if we could pull that together in one place, you know, we'd have something that um, fans could return to again and again, you know, every week, wherever they are in the world, 
and uh, they could they could get their friends involved. Uh, it would it could have actually a wagering feature, where um, I'm not talking about wagering online except where it's legal, but I am talking about learning how to wager. Right. And um, so these things could be offered, and I'd like to see us get to that. It's going to require working together, but we're getting better at working together, and I think I think we can achieve it. All right. Well, listen. We certainly appreciate you joining us. I know it's been a, it's uh, been and it's going to be a really real busy week with uh, the Jug Week and so forth. But once again, we certainly appreciate you taking time, and we'll see you in the next uh, town hall segment. Okay, Mike. Thanks. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Good stuff. They're getting ready to go to the gate for the second early race at uh, the Little Brown Chuck in Delaware, Ohio. The regular car is going to start at about uh, 15 minutes or so. Once again, log on to the website, post time with MikeAndMike.com. Garnett Barnsdale is going to uh, actually chimed in along with Rich Matei, two of the nation's best handicappers have chimed in with their selections. Once again, you can find their insights in the Little Brown Jug program at post time with MikeAndMike.com. Go to the Handicappers Corner section of the website. As a matter of fact, Rich Matei is going to join us in about 10, 15 minutes. We're going to wrap this thing up. Rich Matei is going to talk about some of those horses he likes at the Little Brown Jug here today, including the Little Brown Jug itself with a field of eight featuring that big matchup, Fear the Dragon versus Down by the Seaside. But does the race get any deeper than those two? We'll talk to Rich Matei in just a few minutes about that. But first, our good friend Darren Gagne in his Running Aces segment. This will be the final one of the year. Of course, Running Aces ended their meet. And uh, let's get some of the particulars with our good friend Darren Gagne at Running Aces up in beautiful Minnesota. <laughs> Hey, it's Darren Gagne here at beautiful Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in Minnesota. We just wrapped up a fantastic 2017 live racing season, closing it out with our Night of Champions program on Saturday night, September 16th. 
On Saturday night, the championship races kicked off early with three two-year-old trotting fillies squaring off for a $35,000 purse in the first of two early non-wagering events. Decker with Rick McGee in the bike picked up her first lifetime win in the contest with a 204-2 victory by a length and a half to take down the championship over the sweetest thing who finished second with Dean McGee in the bike and floating on the breeze with Jenny King checked in third. Decker is a two-year-old filly by Braggart and she's trained by Justin Amphenson for owners Jesse, Eric, and Benjamin DeLong. In the other early non-wagering event, It's Storm and Money made it two wins in a row to take the winner's prize in the $35,000 three-year-old Philly Trot Championship in 202-1 with Steve Wiseman at the controls for owners Bryce Jensen and trainer Brady Jensen. The victory tonight was a 13-and-a-half length romp over Richest Brandy, who finished second with Brady Jensen, and I'm a Pixie at Midnight finishing third with Nick Rowland in the Sulky. Next up on the main wagering car, the first championship race was the $35,000 two-year-old Colts and Geldings Trot, and it was Braganod who has been the dominant two-year-old Gelding Trotter throughout the season. Braganod got the job done to take down the championship, dominating gate-to-wire victory by two and a quarter lengths in 204 flat. Braganod was the race favorite at 6-5, to five, paid $4.60 to win. Sixth victory in nine starts for the son of Braggart, who's owned by Set the Pace Racing LLC. Bring over the money with Rick McGee finished second, and Stone Cold Stunner with Steve Wiseman finished third. In the $35,000 two-year-old Philly pacing event, Birth of a Nation pulled an upset at 9-1, to paying $21.60 to win off of an aggressive drive by the Bobcat Dean McGee. The Philly Birth of a Nation by Voracious Hanover was part of the early battle for command, but she then settled away in fourth position before sweeping to the lead just after the quick 28-1 opening quarter. Birth of a Nation faced some heavy pressure around the final turn from 8-no-uppy girl with Rick McGee, but was able to turn back that challenge and dig in gamely to the wire as race favorite Elemental P and Steve Wiseman was roaring down the inside lane. Birth of a Nation held on gamely for a neck victory and a lifetime best mile of 156 flat to take the championship for trainer Joel McDaniel and owner John Hendricks. Dream Chasen converted the pocket trip into his first lifetime win to take the championship in the $35,000 two-year-old Gelding's Pace in a time of 158-1. Dream Chasen paid $11 to win with Rick McGee in the sulky for owners Michelle and Gregory Budak over the race favorite Watch Me Nene, J.D. Yoder in the bike finishing second, and pace setter Here Comes Teddy with Nick Rowland checked in third. The winner, Dream Chasen, is a son of Fancy Schmancy. Almar Foxy Clips took top honors in the $35,000 three-year-old Geldings Trotting Championship event, posting his fifth lifetime win in a mark of 201-4, and four, with Dean McGee in the sulky for trainer Joel McDaniel and owner Mark Holton. Almar Foxy Clips paid $6.40 to win. Liquors Quicker with J.D. Yoder checked in second, and Almar Country Love with Rick McGee was third. In the three-year-old Philly pacing event, $35,000 championship, What It Do Baby Boo delivered as the public choice at even money, paying $4 to win, taking her 14th lifetime win and seventh win of the season in a time of 156 flat with driver Steve Wiseman in the sulky for trainer Brett Ballinger and owners Van Otterloo Stables. Following her signature racing style, What It Do Baby Boo was unhurried in the early stages of the race. She was away in sixth position from post seven, but she was out moving 
first over just before the half-mile juncture. Wiseman had his filly in perfect striking position as they turned for home, and she paced strong through the lane to take the lead and post a half-a-length victory over a tough pace setter. Squeeze me with Nick Rowland in the bike with swinging again and J.D. Yoder back in third position. What it do, baby boo. Another impressive victory takes the championship in 156. Then in the three-year-old Colton Gelding's pacing event, 21-year-old trainer driver Brady Jensen pulled off a rare feat as he sent out a pair of trainees in the contest and picked up the top two positions at the wire in a 10-horse field. Jensen steered Mark 10, 27 to victory over stablemate Too Much Too Quick, who was driven by Nick Rowland. Both horses are owned by the Jensen family, Brandon, Natalie Ray, and Larry Joe Jensen being the owners of the winner, Mark 10, 27. A pair of sophomore pacers were both away near the back of the pack, and they both took full benefit of the fast fractions up front. 27 and 4, 56 flat, and 124 were the fractions, and both of the Jensen trainees were charging 3 and 4 wide, turning for home. With a 16th of a mile to go, it was clear that a Jensen trainee was going to be the winner. The only question was which one? Well, it would be Mark 10, 27, closing widest of all and fastest of all to the wire, getting up for a three-quarter of a length win in a new lifetime mark in 155 and 4. Driven, of course, by Brady Jensen. The winning gelding is by upfront Brad, and he returned 33-40 to win. Another upset winner in the four-year-olds and up pacing mares event for $17,500. The championship went to Paz Corn Squeezin, paying $23.60 to win with Nick Rowland in the sulky for trainer Timothy Brown and over da- owner Dave Hannis. Pocket Rocket style victory was in 155 and 2. It was win number five on the season for the five-year-old daughter of General A. Dead. American Dancer with J.D. Yoder finishing second, just a neck back, and then favorite, Cruising Coco after cutting the mile, finished third with Dean McGee. The $25,000 four-year-olds and up trotting championship went to Mr. Jackpot, his second lifetime career Minnesota State Championship. He was a champion at age two. Now in 2017, he's the four-year-olds and up trotting champion and with a time of 157-2, Dean McGee in the sulky with Mr. Jackpot for proud owners Marlene and Jody Wilson and trainer Glenn Wilson. Mr. Jackpot, also an upset winner on the program, returned $26.60. Mr. Jackpot is a four-year-old gelding by Money Talks, and tonight's victory was career victory number 10. Whatever she's got with Mooney Swenson finished second in that mile, and race favorite Becky Badger Baby with Nick Rowland was home in third. And the final championship event on the program and final race of the 2017 season was a $17,500 four-year-olds and up pace with a well-matched field of 10. The night and the season closed out with another upset winner as Swagasaurus Rex and Minnesota Harness Racing Hall of Fame member and driver Mooney Swenson got up for the victory, a triumphant victory at the wire worthy of a whip raised to the skies by winning driver Mooney Swenson. Swagasaurus Rex paid $40.80 to win. He started from post position number 10 in the second tier, and he was well off the pace early. Driver Lemoyne Mooney Swenson had him in motion and in the flow going into the final turn, and he was in good striking position turning for home, and he took a seam right down the middle of the racetrack to draw away from the field in the home stretch to win by two lengths going away in 153-1, and one, posting the fastest mile of the evening and a new lifetime mark. Swagasaurus Rex is a four-year-old gelding by Voracious Hanover, and he's trained by Dean McGee for owner Richard Davilar. 
Gravels in My Travel, also trained by Dean McGee and driven by Dean McGee, finished second. And uh, finishing third was Stucky Doe with Nick Rowland. So once again, another trainer, one-two punch in the championship and the final championship of the season as Dean McGee trained both the winner, Swagasaurus Rex, and the second horse, Gravels in My Travel, in the four-year-olds and up pace. Very strong numbers for the 2017 live racing season at Running Aces once again. A record season. Large crowds were the norm throughout the 2017 campaign and a huge 36% increase in on-track attendance over what were already very strong attendance figures from 2016. On-track live wagering handle was up 11.39%. Live export handle was up 18.24%. And those numbers are up over 2016, which had been the best season on record until this year. The overall handle increase was 17.1%. A couple of other highlights from the 2017 season. The new 20-cent Pick 5 jackpot wager was a success, producing large carryovers and large payouts, including a record 20-cent payoff of $55,645.80 on August 26th. Magnifique, driven by owner-trainer Jerry Longo, stamped her name into the record books on July 18th when she hit the wire first in the $12,000 Mayor's Open Handicap Pace at odds of 115 to 1 to record a state record mutual payoff for win of $232.20. Average field size has increased yet again at running aces in 2017 to a number above 7.5 and contributed to some of the best and most competitive racing around. On the racetrack, there were so many amazing performances. No less than eight track record miles were turned in this summer at the beautiful Minnesota Oval. Fire Drake won nine races at Running Aces this season for the most wins of the meet. He also won the inaugural $35,000 Dan, Dan Patch free-for-all pace on July 23rd in 152-1. And, and Fire Drake also set a new track record of 151-2 for four-year-old pacing geldings on September 3rd. Fire Drake is owned by Jessica Johnson and trained and driven by Nick Rowland. Banker Volo had another amazing season at Running Aces as well, and stamping his name into the history books at Running Aces and his legacy with a new all-age trotting track record of 154-2 that he posted not just once, but twice this season. Banker Volo trotted in 154-2 on June 27th and again on July 25th. During his seven trips to the Running Aces Winner's Circle this year, Banker Volo proved to be the best overall trotter at the track. Banker Volo is owned by Dan Rowland and was trained this season at Running Aces by both Jenny King and Angie Coleman, and regular driver Luke Plano was in the sulky. The 2017 leading driver at Running Aces was Steve Wiseman. He had 94 wins on the season and a very impressive win percentage of well over 21%. He also led all drivers in both purse money and UDRS. And the leading trainer award in 2017 went to Kathy Plusted. Kathy Plusted Wiseman picking up her first local training championship as she had 47 wins on the season. 
Running Aces wished to congratulate the entire live racing team for a job well done and a very successful season. Wish to thank our loyal fans and our amazing horsemen for their continued support year after year. And don't forget, folks, Running Aces is a year-round facility with simulcast racing seven days a week, card casino action 24 hours a day. Stay informed about upcoming events and promotions at Running Aces by visiting our website, runaces.com. Check the website early next year for information about the 2018 live racing season. That's a wrap from Running Aces in Minnesota for 2017. We'll be back in action with live racing starting probably in the month of May next year. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. We're just a couple of minutes away from the first race at uh, Delaware, Ohio, the Little Brown Jug. And we're going to take a look at this. Some of Rich Matei's horses to watch with the one and only natural Rich Matei here in just a moment. But uh, this segment is brought to you by the Hambletonian Society. Visit Hambletonian.com and make sure you check out the gift shop because they have a lot of great Breeders' Crown items uh, that are available there. Very good items. Very cost-effective. Make sure you check it out. It is Hamiltonian.com in the gift shop. Right now, let's bring in my Facebook Live buddy, the natural Richard Matane. Of course, you can check out his little brown jug. You can check out his little brown jug horses to watch at post time with Mike and Mike.com under the Handicappers Corner section. Rich, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? Well, I have to say that I'm looking at some of the double payoffs, and you like a horse in the second race by the name of Scarlet Cat, number three, ten to one morning line. But right now is about the third favorite in many of the double payoffs that that I have seen. And you know, at first glance, Rich, it looks like that Scarlet Cat, the three horse in the second race, who is beaten by a combined uh, 26, 36, 46, by a combined 43 lengths his last two starts. Doesn't look like too much, but you're looking between the lines, aren't you? 
Yeah, the most important thing that I saw that jumped out on me is this horse got claimed last time, and I think the the connection to claim this horse had intentions on racing today. And you know me, I'm big on when horses get claimed that the connections are aggressive with the horse that shows me that the horse is doing well. And even last time out, you saw this horse made a break, but this horse was in contention way before he made the break. And he even has speed in previous starts, if you look back, that shows me post three, we'll get him in a nice spot. And hopefully Matt Kikaley, who chose to drive this horse, but we do see at the Delaware County Fair, these top drivers pick horses that, these askew type horses just because they want to get drives and win here. But that horse, Scarlet Cat, is interesting to me based on the claim. Okay. Uh, the next uh, horse that you like, Rich, is in race number six, and it's number one, a horse by the name of Easily Amused. Kane Kaufman drives for trainer uh, Terry Dieters, one out of 17, 0 for 11 this year, and normally – uh, I get scolded for picking these types of horses when we do our Facebook lives. <laughs> so what uh, what gets your fancy about this one? Uh, the fact that this horse showed speed last time out shows me that this horse is going in the right direction. And it's not like he showed speed from post one. He showed speed from post seven on a five-eighths mile track. So you know the turn hits them pretty quickly. So the fact that this horse set legitimate fractions last time out in a race that fell apart, but he stayed on to be a decent fifth. Shows me that this horse is going in the right direction. And if you see this horse's racing lines way before last time out, this horse does not show speed. And last time out, they had intentions on making the lead. I don't know if they wanted to get a race into him and get him real tight for today. But the fact that he draws, draws post one gives him a big advantage. He showed speed last time out. I think this horse is going in the right direction. And I know he's 0 for 11, and I know I always – scolds you all the time for picking horses like these because they might not have that winning mentality. But I know this horse is going to be a price, so I'm going to pick this horse easily amused. Rich race number seven on the Little Brown Jug program. You like a horse by the name of Hard Cold Cash. Now, I got to tell you that one of my favorite horses of all time is in this race, a horse by the name of T-Red. I called many of this horse's races at the Hazel Park. He's 12 years old now, but he was in the open ranks for a long, long time at Hazel Park. Uh, my good friend, owner, trainer, Henry Gully, uh, still has T-Red, the 12-year-old by Cam's Eclipse, has 89 career wins. That's unbelievable. 378 yeah. starts, over $400,000 run. But you're obviously going el- elsewhere. Hard, cold cash gets uh, driver Brett Miller and trainer Mark Gillenwater uh, for the last five starts has driven the horses. So into the hands of Brett Miller, that's certainly a head-turner. Oh, yeah, it was. But this, I think I got a little cute with this because I think that it, it looks like a two-horse race on paper between the three chance I might and the eight mystical rock. And actually, uh, Hard Cold Cash raced against Mystical Rock last time out. And while Mystical Rock had a clear lead, the two cold, Hard Cold Cash got shuffled back. But if you see, in the last three races for the eight, Mystical Rock, who's going to be favored, he's been on the lead. He's had no trouble. But I don't think he's going to get the lead today with post eight because the three, Chance I Might, has real legitimate speed, and so does the one. So I think that the eight, uh, Mystical Rock's going to be sitting in pocket. And if you if you see the three chance I might in the races, he makes the lead, which I think he'll be on the lead today. Uh, he stops. And there's no passing lane at the Delaware County Fair. 
So I got cute here and thinking the two hard cold cash could sit third or fourth and either come first over or sit uh, second over. And when the three chance I might stops in the eight horse's face, I think the two hard cold cash could be the horse to beat there. Yeah, certainly. And uh, you talk, I, I've noticed a lot of these horses, you talk trip, and I think you certainly have to, not only on a half-mile track, but a half-mile track that doesn't have a passing lane. I think, obviously, trips everything. I think that's a given. Race number nine, you like a horse by the name of Horace Star. We've seen this horse a couple of times at Harris, Philadelphia. Most recently uh, finished uh, fourth in 156-2 and two. Uh, to the likes of uh, Karma Wins, Kaboom Pow, Sweet Sundays. I really don't remember that race all that much, Rich, but uh, looking by, uh, looking at the chart lines, it looked like this horse was used hard from that uh, outside post. Yeah, he was, and it's important to notice that he raced against older horses that day, and today he's racing against straight two-year-olds. And this horse in the beginning of the season actually raced really, really well. I'm surprised that this horse does not have a win to his credit. He might be the best two-year-old in the country that does not have a win. I even said that in the Horses to Watch column. His first start here at Harris, Philadelphia, all the way back in June, he finished a nice second into a horse that was well-meant that day, and that was when Tim Tietrich was winning on every first-time starter here that was imaginable. And then even in his second lifetime start, they nominated this horse into the Shepherd. And in in his elimination race, he was making a big, wide move off the far turn. And a horse broke in front of him and moved him out even further. And he took the lead at the top of the stretch. But the fact that he was about six or seven wide because the horse that broke really took him out, I think that cost him the race because he got nailed right on the line. And then he had no shot in the Shepherd final. But then you see him – Racing in Ohio, he's done well. He's hit the board. I'm surprised he was 73-1 to 1. that day. He dead-heated for second. I wish I knew he was racing there. I lost track of this horse, but then we saw him at Harris, Philadelphia last time out. But the fact that he raced against older horses and did not disgrace himself that badly because it was a contested pace, it was a hot pace for him. He had to be used hard, and he was even the favorite that day. Now he's back in with straight two-year-olds, so I think this horse has a big, big shot. All right, and of course, the big one, Rich Matei, race number 16. It is the 72nd Little Brown Jug, the first team. They'll basically be racing for post positions. You'll see all eight horses back in the uh, the finals, uh, so to speak. And we're going to, uh, obviously, unless one or a couple of them scratch, which is certainly a high possibility depending on how that first team goes. But you arrived on a horse by the name of Funkin' Waffles. And right at the beginning of the show, we had a chance to talk to Corey Callahan. We talked to part owner Michelle Crawford. And uh, they seem fairly confident with the horse's chances, especially drawing the pylons, Rich. They should be. And even after that last qualifier at Harris, Philadelphia, and you know I watch every qualifier because I'm doing the photo finish for him, he looked so good. It wasn't even funny. And that was also the same day that Chris and me qualified, who's a really nice horse. He qualified two seconds faster than him. And he wow. had the second from my, From me remembering, only one horse has gone faster in a qualifier this year at Harris, Philadelphia, and that was a Gilbert Garcia Herrera horse that they just could not even control. And that horse ended up winning about two or three in a row. I forget the horse's name. But that qualifier was really, really good. And he even has back races that makes him competitive in this field. And you have question marks with the favorite, Fear the Dragon, who's coming off sick. 
I know he qualified at Hoosier, and the track conditions weren't that well, but the fact he's been sick, he got scratched out of the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final. There's a question mark there, down by the seaside. He's been getting cozy trips, especially when he won at Yonkers against Funkin' Waffles, who had to come from post seven that day. And he made a big, big move to finish third. And the elimination, he had he was stuck with post eight, so he had no chance there. And even his race at Tioga was sneaky good. That's the day he came first over. It was a really hot pace that day. He made the lead. He was challenged every step of the way, and he only gave it up within the final 16th of a mile to finish a respectable fifth. Now he draws post one, and he has options. If he wants to blast out of there, I know he could blast out of there. If he's stuck in third or fourth, I know he could close. And even if he gets stuck with post six, seven, or eight in the final, I know this horse is versatile. This horse, I think, is coming into his own at the end of the year, and we see this. Year after year, there's always that one horse that seems to find himself at the end of the year, and it might be Funkin' Waffles. All right, and there's actually a chance where you could kind of get double value because if this horse wins and pays decent money in the finals and down by the seaside and fear the dragon race well, well enough to get good posts in the finals, then uh, you got to figure that down by the seaside and, and fear the dragon are going to be as equally as paid attention to in the finals as they would be in the first heat. So there's a chance that you can really end up with really good odds in kind of yeah. both divisions with Funk and Waffles. But, you know, one more horse, Rich, before we let you go that I want to talk about, Boogie Shuffle. We saw this horse a couple of weeks ago, set a track record here at Harris, Philadelphia, just a great effort. Uh, one last time uh, in the Liberty Bell not so much of a, a fast time there, but uh, still was shuffled back a little bit and did have to outclose Mike Zetan, who did have the momentum on the outside. Do you yeah. see any hope for Boogie Shuffle here from the from uh, post six? Yeah, he's a nice horse, and like you just said, he's been really, really good at Harris, Philadelphia. He's got a shot, and like I was saying before, there's a big question mark on the favorite here, who's the leader of the division, coming off yeah. a scratch six. With one qualifier, so anything can happen. That's right, and uh, that was uh, first time Lasix on Fear the Dragon to one and one fifty four in the sloppy track at Hoosier in that qualifier. The qualifier looks good on paper, but still, when you scratch out of a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar race, I don't care how you try to bow tie it and dress it up. That's that's still a red flag, Rich. That's a significant scratch, and you don't even know what they had to do to make the race today. Because we know that this has been on this horse's calendar for some time, and you don't know what they had to do. They could be rushing this horse because this is just a race you need to compete in. It's one of those big races for three-year-olds that make or break a career. So you don't know what they had to do to get this horse to the racetrack today. All right, Rich. Once again, we can find Rich Matei and Garnett Barnsdale selections on post time with MikeAndMike.com. Go to the Handicappers Corners section of the website, and uh, there you'll have it. And uh, some very, very good selections, some very good insights from both Rich Matei and Garnett Barnsdale. Rich, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you here at Harris, Philadelphia in a few minutes, my friend. Yes, sir. I'll see you in a few. All right, that was the natural Rich Matei. Once again, you can find those selections on our website, post time with Mike and Mike.com, the Handicappers Corner section of the website. Speaking of that Handicappers Corner section, my uh, Hoosier Park 
selections uh, for tomorrow night's card will be up uh, later on this afternoon. Don't forget the big night tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting three hours. Mike Carter, along with Ayers Ratliff, joining the broadcast team. And uh, Jessica will be live at Hoosier Park covering the Hoosier Pacing Derby. Just a great stakes program there. A lot of harness racing superstars in action. And you can log on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, for the big broadcast that is starting tomorrow night at 7.30. Three big hours, all in combination, uh, all in waiting of the Hoosier Pacing Derby tomorrow night at Hoosier Park in beautiful Anderson, Indiana. Well, I'm set to Jed. Once again, check out our uh, selections, Rich Matane, Garnett Barnsdale on post time with Mike at Mike.com under the Handicappers Corner section. As a matter of fact, Rich Matane's first horse to watch is in the second race at Delaware, Ohio. And right now, Scarlet Cat is 19 to 1. So Rich Matei has a chance to start a very big day wagering wise. Once again, check it out at post time with Mike and Mike.com. We're live tomorrow from Hoosier Park at 7.30. And we'll see you then on behalf of all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. Good night and good luck at the little brown chug today. One last call for alcohol to finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.